I love a beautiful lawn. You love a beautiful lawn. Everybody loves a beautiful lawn, but they don't love how long it takes and how difficult it can be. And that is where True Green comes into play because it's the easiest and most affordable way to get that beautiful lawn. Let's be real. You've got plenty of other things to do in your free time than focus on your lawn care. So let True Green take care of all of that hard work while you get to do everything else that you want to do like go play golf. Here's what you need to do. Visit truegreen.com. Okay. It allows you to do you let them do the lawn care. And if you visit truegreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, that is all guaranteed. You can trust true green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. It's truegreen.com. Get started now. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Amon, and this is your round four recap for this week's Genesis Invitational. Joining me to break it all down, Mark Immelman is here and there. Hello, Mark. Hello, guys. Hey, just one thing. No. Riviera is fantastic. Don't you love a difficult golf course coming down the stretch? Uh, it's kind of fun, isn't it? Uh, I certainly do. Yeah, uh, me too. Yeah, I, I do too. Uh, Greg Ducharme is here. Greg, hello. Hello, boys. Um, fantastic, fantastic week uh, on an absolutely awesome golf course. And I mean, what a leaderboard we got. This was um, this was a really cool week for so many reasons. I, I know we'll be getting into all of them, um, but but it was uh, it was a cool, very inspiring week. There was a there was like a prop bet somewhere that Greg would start this show with what a week or what a fantastic week. Somebody told me that. What did you see this, Kyle? You're nodding along. No, I yeah, it was it. I, it was an email that I got that I showed to you. So what did we hit? Yeah, I said I said uh, what a week. Yeah, it was. I don't think yeah, there you, was, just, you just cashed that ticket. There was no line. It was just. It was just. <laughs> I, the the person wasn't even. They weren't even talking about you, Greg. They were they were referencing something that I wrote or something, and then they ended it, I think, with like, and I bet Greg starts the podcast saying, "What a week, guys!" <laughs> right. I got. I guess I got to start working on mixing up my material. And, and, like, I didn't even. Hello, friends. Uh, hello, friends. I didn't even notice. I didn't even notice that you did that, Greg. And but then when you when the person wrote it to me, I was like, yeah, he does do that. Yeah, I get. That's probably true. I mean, I haven't tracked it or I wasn't aware of it until now. But um, I'll maybe maybe it'll be the last time I say it. Now that I'm all self conscious. There's a there's a Greg Ducharme tracker. 
it's, a, it's, it's good branding, Greg. Don't worry about it. Just good yeah. branding. Um, also good for John Rahm's brand, Mark. Another win. He's piling these up at record rate. Wins the 2023 Genesis Invitational. 10th PGA Tour title uh, in his career. And already the third of this season. I don't need to tell you we have not even played a major championship yet. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure he's hoping that this vein of form continues. And uh, but but you know, you know, I hate to sort of say you would see the writing on the wall, but when you came to this place and when I arrived, and you see the firm and fast conditions and you see what is like major championship conditions, honestly. And I mean, some of those whole locations and those greens perched up on those undulations and stuff, there were times when I looked at holes and I was like, man, if this was ryegrass in the fairway and bent grass in the greens, it could be Augusta National. The way it was firm, it was rolling out and stuff. And and when you get conditions like that around a place where you just have to, you can't fake it, although he did kind of get by a bulky driver, it, it, it was always going to reward the best guy in the field and the leaderboard you saw was, was very democratic. It was the folks that didn't really have a weakness during the week. 17 under par, two shots clear of Max Homa. KP, give us the updated John Rahm has beaten this number of people in how many weeks? Well, he lost it. He's lost to eight guys in 2023. Six so at, sick. <laughs> six, at, uh, six at Torrey and two at, at Phoenix. That's it. So he's he's, beaten, uh, he's been dominant. He's beaten or tied 98.8% of, of golfers that he's gone up against. I mean, his run is, you know, it, it was interesting. I was on HQ talking about this just before we got on here. His run has been tiger-like. We throw that around too often. But in this case, it's actually true. It has. And I think when you when you look at it in the context of his career, statistically, Rick, he's been the best guy of the last seven years. I mean, he's been like the best player at getting the ball in the hole in the last of anybody in the world in the last seven years. And so when you contextualize it like that, it's like, yeah, this isn't really we've talked about this. It's not really that crazy. Like, it's not like, oh, he's having this all time heater and he'll never be able to sustain this. I'm not saying he's going to sustain it at this level, but this is kind of who he is. And he's just getting a couple of breaks and things are going the right way. And he's hitting balls off grandstands that end up for Eagle and stuff like that. And all of a sudden you've got five wins in your last nine starts. KP, that's a good call there. You know, to the wins you've got to have, he's going your way. But Greg, I want to make a statement. You're as the golf instructor. I want your take on this. Um, He's beaten 98.5. 8% of the people he's played against. To me, the most important person he hasn't beaten has been himself. Because I find, especially this week, where you know there was a bit of a, almost a managerial sort of an approach about him. Because like he knew that with the way the golf course was playing, he just didn't do anything asinine, you know, was likely going to fall in his favor. And, and so I feel like kind of the management, the shot selection and stuff, Greg, was, was, was highly appropriate given the conditions. Yeah, you know, Mark, it's interesting you're bring that up because the common thought with John Rahm is that he's too fiery um, and he's got to tone that back a little bit. And we all remember the, uh, the players championship at the 11th hole where he made a rash decision and ended up, it ended up costing him the tournament. Um, and, and he got much better after that uh, and did become number one in the world, I believe, uh, won a major championship. Things got a whole lot better. And then the very next year, 
last year, he started to get really frustrated again. Uh, the putter was really frustrating him. The short game was frustrating him. The questions in the media about the putting was really frustrating him. And this year, there's been a... Uh, a noticeable calm about him, especially in the way that he's handled the media. But it's not that he's lost the fieriness. It's just, it's a matter of balancing it, uh, you know, toning it down to where he's a little calmer uh, and he plays around a golf and says, you know, I don't know if I could have played much better than that. He, the shot he hit um, at the WM into the water on 15, he says, you know, I made a great swing there. And, and hit it into the water. And there, there's a calmness in that confidence. And so I, I think he's struck the right balance where he's not afraid of giving a big fist pump after he makes something happen like he did today at 14. Um, and also keeping it a little cool, keeping it a little reserved when he makes a mistake. And I think that's a, a really impressive and, and a really good point, Mark. Well, I, I think that, I mean, my take on Rom has been like, you, you can't, just neuter yourself like he part of what makes him great is that he's emotional right like that's part of that's part of the deal the thing that i think he's really learned to do and he actually he sort of inferred this after after today's round so he he bogeys uh he bogeys 10 he almost doubles 10 and he bogeys 12 and then he said i think he told amanda renner this he said i i I thought to myself, like, man, this court, this golf course is hard as hell coming home. I just need to mentally stay in it. And I don't know that that's something he would have done early in his career. And I think it's, I think it's what you're talking about of like, okay, he's channeling that emotion into something positive rather than letting what happened on 10 and 12 affect the rest of his round. And I just, I think he's gotten better at that. I don't, there's no like way to measure that. I I think he would probably say he's gotten better at that, but that's just something that he's matured in that sense. And he hasn't removed any of the emotion. He's just channeled it in a different way than he used to. Yeah. I I sort of see what you're I agree with that. Sorry, Rick. Just one more thing. Um, I wasn't necessarily talking about the temper. I was just talking about some of the shot selection because the bigger the tournament gets, the more difficult the conditions get, the more you're going to have 95% of the field play their way out of it. And I'm sure, I don't know, someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but if you look at the shot plots, you know, every time I turned around because I had the second last group, it looked to me like he was on the prudent side of the target. And, and you know, the real virtuosos, the great ball strikers like Aram, sometimes I think they try and over-deliver, over-produce. And in a situation like this, it's just hitting the ball in the smart spot and kind of letting everyone fall over in front of him. And, and that's basically what happened. Uh, I want to point out a couple of key moments in this round. But first, we, we could do a little podception. Uh, KVV is right there doing live no laying up. And it's like we like if I turn you around, you'll be able to see everybody. Like there he is. Look at that. How about that? That's behind. Right. That's behind the scenes stuff that you that you only get here. Um, Greg, let's talk about number ten because this was <laughs> this was kind of a, a turning point, hard pivot. Um, the John Rom. When did you tweet the gift, Kyle? Did we ever get a Vince Carter dot gift today? Because you might have pulled the trigger on ninety. We got a Mac McClung dot gift instead of a Vince Carter dot gift. I love it. When did it happen? Uh, uh, 18 fairway. I didn't feel, I didn't smart. Yeah. I didn't feel great. 
smart because Greg, nine T John Rom has a three shot lead steps off of 10 green tied for the lead 10, 10 it, it causes everybody fits. And usually John Rom can kind of um, avoid those situations, right? He can, he's, he's superhuman when it comes to the short game stuff. He could not even avoid making a, making a number at 10. Yes. Um, well, it's a, a difficult situation. Now, the tee shot does set up really nicely for him. I mean, that would be a, an advantageous shot for he. Um, I think it's a good tee shot for Max Holma. Anybody who likes to fade the ball, you can kind of get it into that front left corner. And then you have a, um, a the, the easiest shot into that whole location. They did some great stuff. Uh, with um, the Aon risk reward challenge on this hole and how you want to get it over to that left-hand side and all that stuff. And Rom did, it's just a little too far left. So the fade didn't quite fade the way that he wanted to. And now he's in a situation where he's got to play a low shot. Um, And it's so easy to say, well, you just can't leave it short. You you can't leave it short there. Um, But if you go through the green, which is about, it, it sometimes looks like it's five paces wide like I mean there is no fat of the green uh, on that hole which is one of the reasons why it's so great there's there's not an easy place to hit it to which makes it really challenging there's not a big margin for error so he he tries to hit a chip and run uh, it doesn't quite get up the slope comes all the way back down and now you have a, a difficult shot again from a really tight lie this time. And you got to go over the bunker if you're going to take it on. Uh, and, it, and it brings the back bunker into play. So, I mean, he makes a six footer for bogey there. And and that's the same spot where we've seen countless players go around the bunker and hit it to 40 feet. But because it was his third shot, I, I think he felt like it was a time to try to take it on a uh, time to try to pull it off. And he ends up hitting it into the back bunker. Um, I mean, I think Bill Haas was in that same spot when he chipped it out to in a playoff, chipped it to 40 feet and then made it to win. Um, so there it's not an easy spot, even where his third shot was from. And it, he ended up making a big time bogey. Um, th- that's, that's why it's such a great hole. It's 306 yards and you have players throughout the week uh, making, you know, making one putt bogeys. It's, uh, it's unbelievable. What, what a golf hole. Yeah, I met a curling six footer down the hill from right. I, I had a first on ten today because I had the second to last group, and uh, Adam Svensson's in that group, and he's a hitter. I mean, pay attention for Adam. Uh, the game looks really sharp, but I've never ever on that hole seen a player try to run a ball through the bunker. Now, you know where the hole was cut? It was back right today. He sort of fanned one up there short right, which is cooked. I mean, you've got no chance. Essentially, you either hit to the front left-hand side of the green and hopefully take two or make five at worst. So he gets up there with what looked like some straight-face iron and just blasted this thing into the bunker in front of him, hoping it would kind of bank its way up the hill onto <laughs> the green. I mean, I, I've, I've never seen this tried, and I was like, He's lost his mind, but in the end made five. And it was almost better than Ram with, with his crazy shot. Suffice to say, he swung that hard. If he caught this thing and it climbed, 
he was going to hit it straight over 11 T into 12 into 13. Uh, can I tell you the best thing I saw at 10 this week is Emiliano Grillo being behind the patch of palms on the left. He tries to go over the palms. His ball gets caught in the palm. We all watch it go up there. He was 30 yards away. It's caught, it, The top of the palm catches it. Because he cannot identify it, <laughs> even though we know it's in there, he's got to go back and hit the same shot again. He tries to go low. Hits the tree, uh, bounces back. All in all, it ends up being a quad. Uh, it took about uh, twenty five minutes, but it was it was. That's funny. absurd that he doesn't have to identify his ball, but or, or he does have to identify his ball, but John Rom doesn't when he hits that ball out of bounds or whatever in the maintenance shed off the tee on Saturday. Golf is the, on the golf uh, is the dumbest sport in the world. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, let's, it's okay, because like, you kind of alluded to this. Let's talk about the win luck, right? So, so you kind of alluded to this earlier. Um, I have a lot of thoughts about this, but but John Rom hits it into the food trucks at three. He obviously <laughs> hits one into the grandstand on seventeen that bounces to five feet, and he makes eagle. I would argue, yes, those were situations that were very lucky, but a lot like you don't always see it because these guys aren't on TV or whatever. Yeah. And John Rahm was there to accept accept the win luck. Like Keith Mitchell hit one onto the grandstand on 17 today, right? Like and and got away with it. The ball bounced on the green, but it did feel like the brakes were breaking towards Sean. Yeah, and people were upset about that, frustrated, didn't think it was a, you know. Like, thought Max should have won, which I mean, it, it, yeah, like if a couple of things break differently, then Max is either tied, they go to a playoff, or Max wins. And that's just, I mean, and, and that's a little bit of what I've been saying with Rom is that's part of the deal. He puts himself in contention every other week. And so, at some point, stuff's going to break your way. At other points, it's not going to break your way. And if you put yourself, if you're that, if you're four, we talked about floors last week, Rick. If your floor is that high, you're going to put yourself in contention to where those break. I mean, if, if, if Xander gets those breaks this week, it doesn't matter at all. He's T37 instead of T60, right? And so it just it only it only is a big deal because Rom's in contention every single week. So it feels like it happens both good and bad more than it does with anybody else. You know, he you know it, it's sixty eight top tens for him in one hundred and thirty six PGA Tour events. Underrated career so far. I mean, that is Kyle. You talk about this all the time. The comp. I was thinking about this a little bit earlier. Uh, who's the who's the comp for John Rom? Like, is there somebody who's retired who you think he where he can get to that or surpass a certain position? Um, you know, twenty eight years old, nine wins already. What, what are we looking at here? Is this a twenty five win? Is this a Dustin Johnson like career, or you know, can he extend into the thirties or something? I think DJ is pretty good. Right, because I think a couple of things go differently. DJ could have four majors, 25 wins. That's not out of the realm of possibility for Rom, right? He could end right. with one major and 15 wins, and that's it. I, who, who knows how it's going to go? But, I mean, even the start of his career, though, is, was better than... He, he. He's a more mature and complete player at his age at every age up till now than DJ was at those ages, I think. 
It's a fair. I mean, it, John Rahm's win in 2017, which started his streak of winning every year, was he was he was probably a better player than when DJ won in 2008. Um, at at he won a turning stone, I think. Yeah, I don't know if he was as gifted in terms of a being a ball striker, but the short game, the putting, all of that was more. DJ turned into a really good putter, but all of that for Rom to me was more well-rounded from a younger age. I'd have to think about the comp. I mean, it, <clears throat> it sounds crazy to say Rory because Rory again is, I think more gifted than Rom, but in ter- if you just look at where they finished, how much they've won early on, it's not, it's not crazy to say that it's a kind of a Rory like trajectory. He's got to win more majors, but right. It, I think the Rory comp is not insane. I want to I want to throw a crazy one at you because Ram in college was two time national player of the year. He was a multiple All American. Uh, he won every award basically there, there was. Then came out and didn't win as an amateur. But I would almost say that he's very much like you know his mentor for a while in Phil Mickelson because Phil came out young, won a lot of events. Um, took him a while to win a major championship. I, I wouldn't compare him to DJ as much because DJ wasn't that great in college. He was just super talented. And Rory was just like a virtuoso. He, he came out as a kid when we watched him play as like at a 15-year-old. It was like, wow, this kid fell out of heaven. So so in a funny sort of a way, and I'm, people can have me on this one, I would say there's a lot of Phil Mickelson about John Rahm. He's just a whole lot more accurate off the tee. Yeah, I was going to say he his his style, though, is not – I mean, if, if his style is kind of boring, I mean, he was second in, in the field in greens and regulation. He hits everything just middle of the green, whole high makes putts. It, it's not Phil was <laughs> Phil's always been more just like, you know, all over the planet, up and down from everywhere. And Rom, Rom is Rom short game is really, really good. I'm not saying that he can't do that. He just seems a little more boring and DJ. I, I agree with the amateur stuff though, but in terms of like style of game, it seems a little bit more DJ like than Phil. And 45 uh, is just such a big number. Oh, especially in this era. Yeah. It's such a big number, but anyway, well, it's 10 for John Rom. 10 for John Rahm on the PGA Tour. Continues his torrid stretch. Two shots behind was Max Homa, 64, 68, 69, 68. Mark, I'll bounce this back to you. It was a decidedly pro-Max crowd out here, and he gave it to him until the very last shot of the day. Uh, there was one guy pulling for Max inside the ropes there, too. Yeah, uh, I wonder why. Yeah. No, yeah, it, it was. And you would expect so. And he's earned it, uh, Max Homer. Um, not just because he's a cool follow on Twitter and because he's sort of insightful and witty and stuff like that. He, he has worked really hard. And it's a big deal to come back basically and pray, play in front of your home crowds. You know, they'll lift you if you're playing well, but there's an awful lot of pressure that is brought to bear with this sort of stuff. And I got lots of admiration for him after watching him do this because he's won this event before. He talked about the value of this. He came to this event as a young man. It was his favorite tournament. Then to turn around and win it and then to be a part of the storyline. And look, these ordinarily very reliable driver abandoned him some coming down the stretch, but he still found a way to guts it out. So yeah, the crowds carried him along there. 
But if um, you, you know if if that can easily turn on its head, if if you let the whole thing go to your head, and and I thought he did a very savvy job of managing himself, managing his emotions, keeping the thing the thing really, and. Um, you know, I've always rated him as a ball striker. And then I, I had the experience watching him for 18 holes at the President's Cup. And then I was like, whoa. And then this week, this performance, he's, Max Homer is legitimate. He truly is. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Two, two big blows, Greg, coming down the stretch. The drive on 13, which ends up in the trees. And I couldn't tell from my vantage point. I think he topped his next one. Is that right? It didn't look like it. They showed it again on uh, on the broadcast in super slow-mo. And I don't think he topped it. I, I It might have hit that tree. Yeah, it, okay. it, I was going to say, it wasn't on the line that I thought it would have been on. It might have been on the line that he picked. It just, it looked a little pulled. Yeah, maybe it came out low and left. Yeah. So it was that moment and then leaving it in the bunker on 17 greenside that kind of set the demise for, for Max Homer. Yeah. You know, 13 was a, a tough tee shot, a, um, a tough tee shot for a fader. And both Rom and Homa pretty much exclusively fade it. I mean, pretty much they, they can draw it, but they don't really go to that shot very often. Um, so it, it's not one that sets up very well for them. Um, that was a little extreme. Uh, it looked to me like Max maybe wanted to make sure he stayed on top of it and make sure he didn't tr- kind of get caught in between hitting a fade like he wanted to and hitting a draw and just kind of smothered it low left. That was disappointing for him. And and I think it affected him. He hit it left again on, uh, on 15, hit it right on 18. Um, but he was very calm through that whole process. Very calm, which I, I think was a really cool moment to watch. A lot of conversation with his caddy there. And yeah, that was um, great. It was it was cool to see. But, you know, one other thing that really sticks out to me about Max in general, and Mark kind of pointed this out, that he's legit. And it might answer your question, Kyle, you posed maybe last week about him being a top four player. You know, he he hit 36 greens in regulation this week. Not good. And came in second. Yeah. He hit 36 greens. He hit seven on Saturday, eight on Sunday, uh, nine on Friday. It, it's it's half or less of the greens of regulation for this guy who has struggled with short game and putting through most of his career. And, and he comes in second. 
So while that's not a good number, I think it's a good sign that he can finish the way he did um, despite that number. And and that's, I, I think, a huge thing for Max Homa. And Rick, the other thing you mentioned, the bunker shot on 17, I, I think he was feeling really like backed up against the ropes there. And it was time to make something happen. And it, he got tried to be a little too perfect where Rom could hit it to 10, 15 feet behind the pin. And there's no issue. Homa's got a... He probably feels like he's got to make it uh, to to make up ground. And so the situation between those two, both in the right bunker, is just completely different at that point. Uh, it looks to me, Kyle, like like Max works really hard on that mental side of the game, right? Like he just he does that kind of stare down. He's always talking to himself a little bit. He's always talking to Joe Griner and just staying in the moment and staying very even keel throughout. Yeah, two things. One, I was really impressed that he kept going after the win. You know, even I think it'd be easy in a, in a moment like that with the amount of money that's at stake, the world ranking points that are at stake to sort of throttle down and just make sure you finish solo a second. And he kind of just kept going after the win. Like he kept going at Rom the, re- the way that Rom was going at him. And, you know, I mean, <clears throat> coming into today, he had been in the top five on the leaderboard going into the final round of a PGA Tour event nine times and he'd won six of them, which is just that doesn't happen. You know, like that's just an unfathomable number that you can't sustain. But what it tells me is that when he's in contention, he he goes for it. And I think that that is an, I think it's a more underrated um, characteristic of PGA tour pros than most people would think, you know? And, and I think that that's really impressive. Uh, the other thing I think he's, <laughs> I think he's the fourth of us part in the world right now. I think it's Rom, Scheffler, Rory in some order. And then I think it's Max Homa. And you can make the case for uh, Morikawa, I think is up there in the top five or six. You could throw Xander maybe in there, Finau, Zaltor is playing great. But I think it's it's crazy. It sounds crazy to say it, but I think Max Homa is a top four golfer in the world right now. Well, along those two observations you made there, the fact that he kept on playing for the win speaks to who Max Homa thinks he is as a player. Because if he didn't feel like he was a, a leading player, a player who contends to win week in and week out, he would kind of be playing for the money, for the points and the position and kind of icing you know, his position in the playoffs, if you will. Now, Max Homa now truly believes he is a, uh, he's a contender wherever he plays and he's proving that so so, so yeah i mean i, I wouldn't I don't, I don't know if it's the top four top five whatever but i know he's he's real and uh whenever he tees it up he, he's a name that guys if his name shows up on the leaderboard people will pay attention rick can i can i jump in real quick here i looked up some uh greg wanted some john rom comps so 10 wins through his first uh what is it 135 starts uh, Phil was at 11 through 135. Well, uh, uh, 136. Not sure it matters. Yeah, same, same number. Um, the the name that I actually thought of, Rory, by the way, was at 13, 14. The other name that I thought of that actually popped up on here was David Duvall. Mm. Wow. And that's one of the comps that data golf has just statistically compared to Rom, like 1999 David Duvall. And I think it's interesting because Duvall was, you know, I think Rom's sort of apex has lasted longer than Duvall's, but they, they both won major, both very clearly the best player in the world for a, for a window of time. 
And I don't know. That's an interesting one because what if Rom never does win another major? Then what? Like, what do you what do you make of that? You know, I, I think I think that's going to be interesting. The other thing is this also has top fives on it. John Rom more top fives throughout his first one thirty five PGA Tour starts than Rory, Spieth, Duval, VJ, Phil, Dustin Johnson, Davis Love the third. Wow. And back to number one in the world for John Rahm. Uh, Mark mentioned somebody that uh, plays to win, that gets the crowd going. I, I know somebody like that, Mark. His name's Tiger Woods. He played this <laughs> week. Uh, 69, 74, 67, 73. Your assessment of what you saw from the big cat? Uh, still mind-numbing. <laughs> I'm still shocked that he played. I truly am. I mean, I had a conversation with my producer this morning before the show, and and I was like, "Did any of you guys have advance notice of this?" And he said, "No, not even the tour knew that Tiger Tiger was going to play." And then all of a sudden, Tiger announces, and everyone's scrambling, you know, to more tickets and whatever they got to do to accommodate a Tiger Woods in the field. So, what he did was was incomprehensible. But then he's Tiger Woods, and he does this sort of stuff to us, and. Um, you know, a lot of folks were going bananas after round one when he had three birdies to close and was like, Tiger's back. And then he sort of stumbled his way around there, round two, and and then round three comes back, and then round four. It's it's, it's just emblematic, I think, of where he is. But the, the skills are there. There's no doubt about that. It's just how long can he play his way around the – infirmities that he has in the leg and the back and all this sort of stuff. And there's a knock on effect too, because when you're walking around that place, look, I mean, you walk that golf course four days straight now, Nick, uh, Rick, you're going to feel it a bit afterwards and you young and in good shape. And he has Woods who's, you know, North he's the Northern end of 40, um, had multiple surgeries and stuff. So I'm just so impressed. I've, uh, the what he does with a golf club in his hand is is otherworldly, and and just the mindset that he exhibits, the grit, the stick to itiveness. You know, the, I, I know to get up in the morning and go to the gym is a pain in the rear end. <laughs> this guy, think about this, and this guy goes, "Well, I'm going to go and have a big lift after this." I'm like, "You're a nutcase," but anyway, this is why I admire you. And then what he has to go through, the whole rigmarole of preparing his body and then you know recovering his body, and it's just. It's the stuff of which legend is made. He's a legend already. But what he did this week just kind of adds to the story, doesn't it? I did not see the numbers for today, but yesterday, Saturday, was the most people they've ever had at this event in its history, which mm. makes makes total sense. Greg, um, I, I was lucky and I wa- walked a lot with Tiger this week. Um, I saw him hit some world-class shots, some shots that leave you shaking your head going, oh my gosh, he can still do this. Looked a little rusty at times. You talked about the putter kind of unable to release it in the way, but what were your kind of takeaways from the four rounds that we saw from, from Tiger? Um, I was, with the exception of Friday, um, very impressed with the way he closed. And I think it's also important to remember that he walked 18 holes in a pro-am on Wednesday. Um, so he walked 90 holes in five days. Um, and I think that's a really good sign when you head into majors. Um, I think there were a couple moments like the last three holes on uh, Thursday's round where he makes birdies. And all of a sudden, this is um, this is where the uh, adrenaline that he has, the competitiveness comes out and comes to shine. And so... All in all, the the good stuff for Tiger, the top end, the speed, the iron shots, some of the putts that he hold, the top end stuff was there. 
no question about it. Um, but there are some of those rusty shots, a couple chip shots that are a little stubby, uh, a couple short putts missed. And these are the kind of things that typically wear off when you can play more and you get more reps in competitive golf. And when he was getting ready for the 2019 Masters that he won, of course, he won the Tour Championship along the way. And in, in that whole journey, that kind of stuff started to whittle away. And when he was able to play clean golf, he was able to win. The concern now is, is the, the next time he tees it up, uh, is there going to be enough time for that rust to wear off um, to kind of, is he going to be able to chip away at it? And it, it, so I think that puts him in a difficult spot to get to 83. However, the silver lining for me is if he can get himself into contention and he can get, um, you know, the opposite wave of tee times where he starts off early Thursday, late Friday and can be in contention after Friday evening's round and get a late Saturday tee time. And now all the fans are going crazy and he's going crazy and he's competing with a real chance to win. And his mind is focused on winning instead of finishing. Um, now, now things can change. And, and I really did see, which I did not expect to see. I saw the top end of tiger, uh, look good enough for him to win again. Um, the, the concern is will, will he get enough reps? Will he get enough reps to shake off some of those kind of careless, uh, silly shots that, and I, and I don't know, I don't know the answer to that. Um, Greg, just, I love the fact that you talked about adrenaline and I want to dive into the kind of the nerd weeds with that stuff. But first off, any, every event that Tiger's not hosting, he plays late on Friday. You can, you can rest assured he's going to get that tea time. Yeah. I think the host over here got to tee off kind of when he wanted. Um, and then with that adrenaline stuff, remember, it's got to go somewhere. And that's what I find what he does is just incredible because you do, you get ramped up. But then after all of this, you got to, there's that come down period. And that, that come down period is when he's probably taking an ice bath or whatever. So, so it's, it, it's incredible to me what he's going through, not just physically, but just inside as well. You know, with all this, you know, the up and then the down and then the recovery. And I, I just wonder what he's feeling like in the hotel in the evening. Because the, there's the exhilaration of competing, and then you've just come out of your ice bath, and you're like, "Holy cow, I'm feeling like heck!" So that's why I have so much admiration for him. And one more thing, and he's feeling way. cold. He's feeling cold in the hotel room. It sounds one like it's more thing. than one ice bath. Yeah. One more thing to that that rust. We got word that he has lengthened his putter a little bit to sort of accommodate for the back and the leg when he practices putting. And that's why if you look at him, you can see the toe of the putter slightly off the ground. And that has issues because it changes launch pattern a little bit. And I did see the short misses he had tended to be on right to left putts and he missed them low. Uh, but that's the kind of thing the Tiger's going to figure out. So, you, you know, I figure he'll go away now from this. He has a beat on how he felt like under pressure on a really major championship-style golf course. And uh, he, he's, he's the ultimate assess myself and know what i got to work on guy. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if that stuff is kind of uh, washed away the next time he tees it up. Yeah, KP, uh, the next time he tees it up is always a natural question. When we talk about Tiger, I want to get your thoughts on what you saw from him this week, but also roll this forward a little bit. Is there a Bay Hill in our future? Is there a Players' Championship in our future? Or is it the first full week of April when we get to Augusta National? Yeah, I was I was surprised at how um, – 
uh, this is the wrong term because he would not agree with this, but pain-free it seemed, I'm sure it wasn't pain-free, but just his ability to, to finish four rounds. I mean, you know, 10 days ago, we didn't think he was going to even start. And then he kind of hits it well. And, you know, I, I don't know that any part of his game was super sharp for, for four straight days. And I think that's a little bit of the problem, right? Greg is, and this is what you were alluding to is, like, and, and I think this is what Tiger is right now and, and what he's going to be is you're going to get shots. You're going to get moments. He almost makes the one on, was it 16? Yeah. Yep. So you're going to get moments like that. And you're like, oh, Tiger, like he's going to, he, this is it. He's, he's found it. He's going to win the masters. He's going to compete for the, for the PGA championship. You're going to get moments like that, but you're also at the same time in the same event, going to get moments that sort of peek around the corner and, and see a 55 year old who can't swing the club anymore. And you're going to get both of those at the same time in the same events. And it's going to be a really confusing, maybe disorienting uh, experience for fans and for tiger, you know? And I think the problem comes in where, okay, 42 year old tiger can could and did knock off that rust by playing a bunch and by practicing a bunch. And I don't know how many times he has to say it before people will believe this. He can't, he can't do that. He can't play eight times in a year. He can't play 10 times in a year. He doesn't walk when he practices. And because of those things, he's just not going to be able to get to, a, I mean, he was what 17 shots off of beating John Rom. Sounds cool that he was like played well and was kind of in it a little bit. 17 shots away from John Rom. You might as well be like me. I mean, that is a, those are, that's worlds apart. And so I just get like, people are like, oh, Tiger, the masters, he's going to, he's going to be in it. Sure. He might shoot 66 in a round, but to do it for four straight days, that's a different level of consistency that I don't think he can get to anymore. I, I just, I don't, I don't know what the path for him to even get there is. Now to spin it forward, I, I, I go ahead. No, I no, go ahead, please. I think he plays either Bay Hill or the players. And I, I can't believe I'm saying that, but I think he I, I think he plays the players championship. I'm Bay Hill you. seems close. I, I, I'm I'm with you on the players because if Tiger and Rory are the bastions for the PGA tour right now, given that other league down there, with the players championship being the PGA tours event at their headquarters. I'd be, I'm, I'm not sure, this is conjecture, but just uh, this marginally inquiring mind that I have would be pretty confident that Tiger plays the players. Uh, if Tiger plays, they'll just make the purse 50 million. They'll just double it because sponsors, <laughs> are, every, everybody's in. Um, I did think it was noteworthy, Greg, and we can put a bow on Tiger and we'll, we'll move on here. But um, if you remember back to PGA Championship, remember back to the Masters, it would start with like a hitch in his step and it would be a full-on limp by the time we were done 18 and it looked it looked bad. This, I, I, I mean, it was still like a hitch and like he didn't look great, but it, I, to me, it did not deteriorate as much over the course of 18 holes or as you put it, 90 holes. Right. And um, yeah, and I, again, I, I think that's a really important aspect. It, this was 90 holes. So what we saw today, which wasn't as much as the previous couple of days, um, and and rightly so, but it, it, um, it seemed a lot calmer, if you will. The, the gate was slow, um, but it didn't look like he was grimacing. It, you know, it didn't hurt us to watch him walk. It looked like, a, you know, a guy with with a little 
you know, a little injury, a little something bothering him. I mean, you've probably seen guys walking around your office like that. Um, and you don't think that it, you can't believe that they're at work. So it, it, it was, um, it looked manageable and I'm sure for him, it's totally different. What he's going through as Mark alluded to in between rounds. I mean, I, I don't, think there's I don't know how many hours of sleep he could have gotten between Thursday night and Friday morning but I mean it's probably less than five it's there's not a lot of sleep going on so that makes it quite difficult Um, but I I thought this was a significant improvement and that probably more than anything that happens with the game is what gives you the most hope going forward Um, it it's Okay. It's at least progressing, which is a good sign. And we were unsure that, I mean, Kyle talked about that at length. We think it's going to be a linear progression. I thought that was a great analogy, Kyle. And it clearly wasn't linear, but whatever path this has followed to get here is improvement. Yeah. Um, And and I think that's a huge, that's a huge sign, a huge step to use a little pun. I agree. I just don't know. When he says, like, hey, I can't really play a bunch of events. And also, I'm not walking at home. I don't know what the I don't know what the path is to winning. Because I, I think those, right. I, think, I think those two are sort of prerequisites to getting in contention. Right. That's how he, he won the match. He played a bunch before he won the, the 19 Masters. And I yeah. just I just don't know. He, he's going to have a he's going to have around he's gonna have nine holes he's gonna have maybe two rounds or whatever but i just don't know because i don't even think he believes that um he can he can he can be consistent enough at a high enough level to truly contend i think he i think he truly believes hey i gotta play a bunch to get in like that's the formula that's his formula that's pretty much everybody's formula but he he's talked about that a lot and if that's true and he's also saying, and I can't really play, then I just don't know what the path forward to winning is. We will find out. We'll see if he's going to play Bay Hill or the players and anything else, maybe between now and the masters. Uh, We're only going to do best bets and one and done updates after this. Is there anything else we should talk about Genesis invitational or otherwise right now we'll have a tuesday show for news roundup but what should we talk about right now uh i love keith mitchell's swing it's so good i just (laughs) love watching him it's awesome it it, you know people we always hear how hard it is to like play in a final group or play with tiger or play in front of tiger unless you're you really notice it in person that the second john rom and max homa are done a hole it is chopped liver keith mitchell sorry but like that's what it feels like it's a shame he's dealing he's dealing with elements that no 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 one in all snack group is being asked to deal with all day long. Yep. And then the other thing is uh, Morikawa is playing really good golf right now. And he hasn't won and he kind of kicked away Kapalua and he missed the cut at Phoenix. But if you if you look at his his numbers, his results, if you kind of dig in a little bit, he he's he's kind of primed for something. Might come at might come at uh, TPC Sawgrass. I'd also say Will Zalatoris is back. I mean, any question you may have had about injury, um, that's gone. And I think you can expect to see Will contended in the majors again this year. Looks good. 
played well. Uh, all right. We're going to recap our best bets. And yes, Mark, we'll do the one and done stuff. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. Citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. This might have been our best week ever. Um, do we have the regular bets graphic? Oh, okay, here we go. Well, this is fine. Look at this, Kyle. Every single money ball hit this week. Wyndham Clark, top 40. Justin Thomas, top 20. Max Homa, top 10. Clean sweep for the boys. Clean sweep for the boys. I love it. What did what are JT think? Wow. Like T20. T20. Yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, this is great. We're, we're climbing back toward the black. We'll get there slowly, but surely. Uh, you have, you are, you are very much in the black. You're very yeah. much in the black. We don't need to pull up. The, That's where you do your work. Yeah. We don't need to pull up the rest of the bets, but this is, this is fun to look at. I'm a major player. Uh, I just, I that just is Patrick's first. I thrive is, in the majors. <laughs> <laughs> That's Patrick's first money ball win of the year. Not good. <laughs> Could be a streak. Maybe we just started I was gonna a streak. Say, yeah, he's now one and oh in his last one. Uh, do we have the other? I like the other graphic better. Do we have that one? Yeah, this is the one I like. The the season standing. So um, I I made a run here. Sahith top twenty. John Rom outright. I lost the matchup. I obviously lost my other outright because that's how golf works. Only one guy can win the golf tournament. But Mark, I'll throw this to you. Um, cause you, I think it was, didn't you tell us, I don't know if I'm divulging something you told us before, but like, you told, like you were talking about Sahith last week about this week and he goes out and plays well. I was, um, last week, uh, can't remember. It might've been Saturday or Sunday before the round. And I was just wandering around on the range and I just chat, you know, he's, he's one of those guys that you want to talk to. So I just stop in. I ordinarily don't interrupt when they're warming up. And he just, he's so smiley. You just go over and greet him and I'm watching him hit and I'm like, man, I like where it is. And he goes, yeah, you know, the ball's flying really straight. You know, it's not fading as much as what I, it used to. And I'm like, well, I guess that's a good thing. And he goes, yeah. And so I took, I look at Carl Smith, his caddy, and I say to him, Carl, um, I, I might use him in one and done next week. And Carl goes, that would be a good idea. <laughs> if I had done that, it would have been a good idea. So, yeah, he's, he's looking really solid. And um, I, I feel like he's going to continue to knock on the door. That I have no doubt. Uh, the other one I wanted to talk about, Greg, where was it? Oh, um, 
there were a couple disappointing uh, finishes for this week. I mean, obviously, Jordan Spieth, Hideki Matsuyama, Xander Shoffley as well. Xander was very much in the upper echelon of the pri- pricing this week of the outright market and basically had to literally hole out from 180 yards on the 17th hole in slam dunk fashion to even make the cut. So there was a couple guys who failed to deliver the goods. Yeah, um, I, and I mean, Justin Tom, you could see Justin Thomas on Patrick's board uh, um, pretty much every, in every bet there. Kind of a disappointing week for him. Uh, kind of a disappointing week for Rory as well. Um, Xander, you know, nice rounds on Thursday, nice round on Sunday, but not really a whole lot going on there. And look, this is the kind of thing that can happen at Riviera because it's such a great golf course. It's scorable if you're playing well. And if you're not, it's very punishing. And so you see this separation get created, uh, which tends to happen at Augusta National as well. So I think it's kind of the sign of a... um, a golf course that does a really nice job of picking out who the best players are. And look, two of the best four players in the world finished one and two. So it's, uh, I think the golf course delivered. Hit me with the one and done standings. Sorry, I'm, go ahead, Kyle. Well, I was going to say, I'm going to release my Monday. Somebody uh, suggested that I uh, name my Monday rankings the KPMGR, the Kyle Porter <laughs> Monday golf rankings. Which is, which is hilarious. Uh, I like it. Yeah, good. since nobody believes in the OWGR anymore and math is just outdated, I'm gonna I'm gonna release my top five on Monday. It's gonna be it's gonna be hard. I don't know if I mean, it's, Rory's not playing very well, or at least the last couple of weeks. Hey, uh, John Rom called it like a word because I think he believes in the world rankings now after going back to number one. Sure. Yeah. Boy, what a journey to get there. It yeah, only well, took five wins. Yeah, but he's gonna, he's gonna stay there for a while because of those five wins now. So. Uh, at this rate, he might we'll have see. five more in a couple months. We'll see where he falls in the KPMGR on Monday. If, he, if he's if he's not at number one, they're just as big as a farce as the. <laughs> well, you, you've, been, you've been judging this John Ron Ron Horn for the last few months. I'm just keen to see we're going to put Justin Thomas in there, and when you're going to uh, eventually give up on the Sassanan bet that you took. John Ron. <laughs> he's John got Ron time. Is, he's got time. I got a lot of time. He's John Ron. Yeah, right. John Ron's the best golfer in the world over the last seven years or at least the most consistently great he is him he is him uh show me the one and done standings please thank you kindly so we all got something it wasn't always pretty but we all got something let's see uh see ya got 197,000. he was a lone wolf with tony fee now he does crack through the million dollar mark. See ya. Congratulations. Kyle M along with Kyle P Kyle Porter got 104,000 from Xander. Kyle M goes to 1.8 KP. You go to 3.1. We mentioned it coming up 17 fairway. You were staring zero in the face. So at least you got a hundred. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not great, but better than zero, whatever. Not, I, I picked more cow a week early. I had more cow last week in Phoenix and I should have taken him. He's been great at Riv. uh, second last year and fifth this year. Uh, yes, he has. I mean, ball strikers paradise. Yeah. Works out. Well, Greg, myself, 
Patrick all went with Justin Thomas, 197,000. Greg goes to 2.4. Patrick to 2.6. I go to 5.8. Greg, uh, man, not enough. Not enough. I mean, uh, this, the six figure mark used to be uh, an, you know, an accomplishment. So, yeah. You know, if you can make $200,000 every week, you're going to have a good chance of winning. And that's just, I mean, this is the new era. And I, I haven't adapted quick enough. Because this is this is getting out of control. Well, I mean, it's like the all strategies out out the window. No, the I strategy mean, is do well during the elevated events. Yeah, That's yeah, the strategy. Yeah, it's not that different. It's just different amounts of money, right? It's not like yeah, they just it looks. I mean, look at this. I'm six. I'm six and a half million dollars behind. Yeah, but in it, February. It, yeah, but if it was last year, you'd be you'd be the same percentage behind. It'd just be a different number. Yeah, yeah. There's Fair also point. like a hundred more million available. Right, and T twenty wouldn't have gotten a hundred. You know, it wouldn't have gotten nearly two hundred thousand dollars. Heck no. So uh, anyway, f- it's just it's f- just funny to see the. I I get the percentages. It's just we have somebody at eight point eight million dollars. February 19th. On February 19th. His name is Mark Immelman. Mark and the fans went with Max Homa 2.18. With that, the fans move into second, 6.2 million. Mark extends his lead to 8.8 million. I... I don't know if you'll if you'll properly do the uh, the celebration tour, Mark, where you rub it in our noses. But I'm sure you're feeling pretty good about this. Yeah, let's do something, please, producers. Just please put an asterisk. asterisk I can't say that next to my name there because last fall when the fans joined our contest, remember that they moaned nonstop that you know they were too far behind and they didn't get a decent run at it and it just was unfair for them and now I'm, I happen to click over to the comments and they're all now whining about the Mark Asterisk thing so can we put an asterisk up there and just say alright this, this has been uh, the most drama filled one and done ever but uh, Mark do, do you have you looked at the field for next week do you know who you're taking for Honda yet yeah I might be going with Ricky Fowler Wow. The field for next week is tough to look at, Rick. Um, I I'll, I'll, uh, I will say this. Okay, fans, you're paying attention because I'll give you the stuff and you still won't beat me. Wow. Um, yeah, I'm saying so. Um, Adam Svensson might be someone to keep an eye on next week. I watched him play. 12 holes today. I've I've always liked his game, but today he was impressive. Might not have scored like he should have, but the the way uh, the way he's putting rounds together, some of the decisions he's making. Yeah, he's playing almost at home next week. He lives down there. I, I like Adam Svensson as well. All right. That's not an official pick. We'll wait to see what the official picks are. Um, next week, Honda, Monday, Tuesday, Sunday. Then here's the plan, gentlemen. When we go back to Bay Hill, so we are looking to restart the round-by-round recaps for Bay Hill players moving forward that that is that is the plan but honda is next week and we were talking about it and i was like we can probably hold off on round by round recaps for next week i think so (laughs) 
I made an executive decision. I didn't think but this is, I mean, to. yeah, that's the, that's the new, that's the schedule, right? Is like the, the rich become richer, literally. And the, the lesser tournaments become lesser. I mean, that's, that's it. Ultimately it's a good thing. It's not going to feel great in the Honda weeks. Right. But I think ultimately it's, it's going to be a good thing for the, for the PGA tour. Any final thoughts before we get out of here? <laughs> Going once. Interested to see how my range goats do next week in the the live opener. <laughs> also, we will talk. We will talk about this next week because tomorrow the final four teams are going to be set for live, and then we will have their first event next week. So we will obviously talk about it on Tuesday because we did get a couple guys uh, from the PGA Tour who left. So we'll we'll hit that on Tuesday's uh, mega preview pod. Love it. Big thanks to both. We we have two producers. We are big time now, Josh. And Troy, Mark Immelman available at Mark underscore Immelman, Greg Ducharme at The Real GFD, Kyle Porter at Kyle Porter CBS. You can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut. We'll catch you next time. has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. 